Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host. Today I'm chatting with breast cancer survivor and life coach Susan De De Lorenzo. She is actually an amazing, it's an amazing talk. We talk about how when her bottom fell out, when she got breast cancer and her marriage fell apart. I mean, who else can, I mean, honestly, what else could have happened? But she takes it all in stride and talks about how she was able to realize that that wasn't the worst thing that could have possibly happened in her life. And she overcame all this. And the story of her um, overcoming is a great story. And actually, she'll be back on in March to talk about self-esteem in women. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today I am joined by life coach, but also breast cancer survivor, Susan. Susan, you have overcome so much in your life. You are a breast cancer survivor, but you also, during that time, you had a marriage fall apart. <laughs> Before you get into all that, let's introduce yourself. Well, yeah, that was quite already a, a good introduction. And, and what you just described about me is the reason I am a life coach today and writing a book and loving my job now, coaching other people out of coming out of these life-altering adversities. Mine was like the big one-two punch that cleared my life so that I could rebuild it on another platform. So life coaching is big for me and writing is big for me and and being able to speak with folks like you where we can just share a great message together. I love how you said it cleared your life. Not most people don't think about it like that. No. And, and Melissa, I'm known for saying I thought the universe was kicking my butt, but was actually cleaning my house. And, and you don't see it right away while you're in the middle of something awful. It's not like I said, oh, I love some transformation. How about a little cancer and divorce to really bring me up to my best self? So, um, yeah, it wasn't like that. But as I grew to say, well, I'm not getting out of this one, either of them, actually. <laughs> um, what can I do? How can I be different? And so that it, I can make it okay for myself while I'm in the middle of all this. Wow. How long did it take you to go from from the cancer and the divorce to where you are right now? <laughs> I don't want to say 20 years because that sounds awful. <laughs> but there's always a next level, Melissa. So I would say coming out of divorce, I want to say a good two years of really feeling like, whew, <laughs> you know, and seeing that things were getting better in my life. I think... Um, you know, especially coming out of chemotherapy, have you heard of chemo brain? And, you know, just kind of getting your bearings again and, and getting some clarity 
And I didn't even have that yet when um, my mate at the time wanted to leave and, and live alone. So um, I think it took a good two years. But in the meantime, I had wonderful support. I was a support to myself. My faith was a support to me. And I had wonderful friends. And that, that just kept expanding as I kept getting out there more in the world and not retreating, which is kind of what you want to do when you're going through so much. But when you have really um, a close tie to your higher self, your divine, however you want to say it, you don't feel alone. And, and that's the one thing I'd love your listeners to know too. You don't have to be religious to have this divine connection. And one thing um, I like to remind people is that we don't even make our heartbeat we're not, we're, it's just being done for us. You know, our, and Wayne Dyer used to say, you can't, you know, your fingernails are growing and you didn't have to tell them to. <laughs> so we've got divinity inside of us. We've got the grand overall design right inside of us. And so taking the time to say, wow, you know, I, did I talk to God as much as I did during cancer? <laughs> no, I've made a bigger, bigger relationship with that divine connection just to get me through. And then little things would come my way. I'd see beautiful things uh, filled with grace, I would say, filled with grace. The nurses I had, the doctors I had, the simple kindnesses of, of strangers uh, taking care of me and being kind to me um, made it a lot easier. Wow. So why did you decide to be a life coach? Was it because of all the simple graces and, and the people that you felt that you saw when you had cancer? I learned so much. I learned so much that there is such a gift. And you've heard this before, um, that there's always a seed of good in something that's bad. And, and it's hard for us to know what that is, but we can begin to imagine what that might look like so we're not so focused on the negativity. And I learned so much, and I had such a story to share of, of not only overcoming, but building even at a higher level to love my life so much more than before I went through cancer and divorce, that becoming a life coach was a natural step. It doesn't mean I did it right away. I was in the financial industry and in my nice corporate cubicle job for 20 or more years. And so even while I had that job, I got the calling to be a life coach and I signed up for certification. And what that did, it already aligned with my belief system about what's really powerful within us that Everybody can build a life they really love. It's the belief system that has to change around that. So this certification already aligned with all that, but then it codified the tools and mindsets that I can bring my clients through to um, the other side, to where they really want to be and not where they think they're stuck. Even if they call it the comfort zone, it's not always really comfortable, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like, wow, most people would have just wallowed in their what they're doing. They would have never, their breast cancer, divorce, uh, what has God got against me and not gone on and th thought about inspiring other people with what happened to them. So I, I wallowed, I wallowed <laughs> a bit <laughs> in the beginning. And uh, I got to tell you a funny story about that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I barely have any hair on my head, right? I'm, I'm a few months out of uh, cancer treatment and I'm just getting my life back together. I'm told I'm cancer free now and I wanna build something better. So I approached my mate about fixing our marriage and he lets me know 
not act, actually Susan. <laughs> I need to live alone. And uh, I was like, you know, to God, you have got to be kidding me. And I went up to the bathroom and I yelled, do you think I could just have a year off? <laughs> and I was not being brave at that point. I was being totally not happy. And like, you got to be kidding me. You really got to be kidding me. So I had to take a deep breath on that one. And I went, okay, it's not breast cancer, right? I had just gone through a life-threatening illness. This didn't seem as bad. It was not fun. I didn't want it. But I had a, some perspective from just the prior year. Wow. And you're probably thinking, now what else you got to throw at me, right? Is that what you're probably oh, thinking? Yeah. And when things did, because listen, it's not like I gave at the office and now I don't have to do anything else that's hard for me, right? <laughs> so like a year later, I got pneumonia. And um, and then like a tree fell on my house the month after that. And I was, again, I was like, are you kidding me? I, I paid, I'm done, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, let's reel it back in again. And I wasn't a life coach at this point. I'm just trying to deal with the tools that I had at the time. So yeah, that's um, that's my little story about not always being um, the perfect uh, overcomer. <laughs> that's a learned technique as well. So let's talk about how you dealt with them before and how you would deal with them now. So you can people can see the difference of how you dealt with them before and now. Yes, before. I was in full resistance, like this can't be happening. Even when I learned I had to go through chemotherapy and I said, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and guess what? I still had to do it. <laughs> so I finally can see the futility of denying what is. And from there, it doesn't mean I have to love it, what's going on. But I was always in resistance, like, no, oh, this was not in my brochure. <laughs> and so um, that is the big change now. I'm like, well, here it is, you know, and take the breath. And no, now I know I have what it takes to deal with it. And there is help out there. I don't have to do this all by myself. I'm going to find the help I need. And so can anyone else. So how do we support ourselves during this when we're faced with something that seems yeah. so overwhelming? How can we support ourselves really? Well, I mentioned the big one is to stay connected and look at the, um, I would say, focus on self-love. A lot of us, especially I was a single working, well, I wasn't single at the time. I was a married full-time working mom of an 18 month old baby. Mm -hmm. And there was never enough of me to go around. I wasn't even on the list, uh, you know, that you make and check off at the end of the day. And I would always be lamenting um, everything I didn't do. I wouldn't go, good for you. You did all these 10 things. I'd be, oh, you didn't do the other 10. So self-care is about self-love and compassion and, and also self-encouragement. I had a journal and I wrote my fears. I wrote decisions I had to make medically. And then I wrote an affirmation that I have the best doctors. Mm -hmm. I have everything I need. And it was just almost like I was talking to a friend, but I had to be my own friend at that point. So pouring on the love and compassion onto yourself, even if you've never done that before, just look through the eyes of um, your mother 
if you had a loving mother or a loving parent or a grandparent, they, um, you are adored. And even if you're not finding enough resources near you, know that. And that's why we're here to take care of ourselves. You know, you know um, that's one of the biggest things I did. And then reading inspirational um, materials doesn't mean it was religious. I just read about other people who overcame great things or things that caused peace. I listened to beautiful music, especially when I just had to lay around um, having just had a, a chemotherapy infusion. I couldn't focus to read or watch television, but I would, I would listen to this etheric music and it would just calm me down. And there's any kind of pampering you can do um, or a ceremony that says it's going to be okay, lighting a candle, um, taking a warm bath, Getting out in nature is huge. If you can get outside, if you have a, a wonderful pet, that's definitely a wonderful thing to hug your dog or, or if your cat lets you hug, a, <laughs> hug your cat. <laughs> yeah, uh, getting out in nature is huge for me. I mean, this, this summer I was able to get out more and walk and I just felt the best I've ever felt in years just to get out and just soak it in. And I was yeah. rewarded by seeing like the baby a mama and her baby possum sites that oh. I've never seen before. It's amazing what That's you can see when you actually take the time to just soak in things and just stop and be present. You just said it, that present moment, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're in nature, it's hard. You can, I mean, you see people with walking a path with headphones on and they're you know, they're going at it and they're probably not really paying attention to their surroundings and energetically they're missing something because you're really, again, you're with the divine. If you're in nature, mm -hmm. that whole um, energy is around you, but it, it can also filter through you and ground you at where you can become incredibly ungrounded during adversity. So, yeah, that's one of my favorites being near water, being in the woods, there's in the mountains, you know, we're all lucky enough in this country and in the world, there's so many beautiful places and you'll find yours. And uh, I, I know that it, it's transformative. You hit it on the head when you said being near water, water always seems to calm me. And it was so funny because we have like a, I wouldn't say a big Creek, but it's like a, little brook behind in our property and we've lived here for 10 years and I know it's back there, but I've never taken the time to walk back there. But we actually just a couple months ago, I actually walked back there and it's like, Oh, it's so pretty back here. You need I to thought you'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I told my husband, oh, you need to clear a path back here and put a little table and chairs back here so I can just sit <gasps> back here and journal. And he looked at me like, I cannot believe you just told me to do this. <laughs> Oh yeah, you got to do it. That sounds fabulous. Yeah. And and even if you um, have recordings, you can get these on YouTube also mm -hmm. of listening to the ocean, right? Listening to the rain, listening to a waterfall. It's, it's something about that that just pulls us back into ourselves. Yep. That's so true. So you talked about being a life coach. So what led you to be life coach? You talked about overcoming it adversity but really what 
made you totally like yeah. a light bulb moment. Did you have yeah. a light bulb moment that said, I, oh, I'm yeah. going to do this? I think I was always a little bit of a life coach anyway. People usually came to me for help uh, with uh, something that was troubling them. And I'm a good listener. I'm a very good listener, but I love transformation. I even love shows where they take an old house and they, you know, rebuild it and it looks fabulous and they did all the hard work and then they're so proud of themselves. I mean, that's really almost what we're doing on the inside and with our lives. So it's how much I love the work with the clients and watching somebody who may not even believe, they just know they can't be where they are anymore, that it's too, it's too much for them now. And now with um, a vision in hand, which we create together, coming from the client, I don't tell you what to envision, um, we take steps and we get the toolbox going so that the mindset has to change. The belief that you can have what you want or even a corner of your mind open to that idea. You can't be too close to move forward. There's going to be a lot of paradigms that are going to hold you back. They hold me back still to this day, but I'm just better at, at being much more aware of them. I don't let them have the final say. And that's what we do. And, and when you have that kind of support, not only are you accountable, but you get consistency. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Now with that, let's take a brief short break for our sponsor. Schools closing their doors again this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic is devastating for students, parents, and educators. Beyond that, it has disproportionately challenged low-resource school systems, further revealing educational and health inequities among communities. Teachers and parents are searching for tools that will enable schools to reopen, but many of these solutions are expensive and time-consuming. To ease the magnitude of challenges, Faced by high-need school districts, we can provide a simple solution that has a deep impact. I'm Della, the founder of Nestle Space. Nestle provides easy, beautiful, health-centered design that adapts to any environment. We design products that are attentive to bodily experience, emotional health, and ergonomics, including our portable, touchless handwashing station. Our handwashing stations bring running water anywhere with an outlet, accompanied by ergonomic design. Because no plumbing is required, our portable stations can be placed in classrooms, gymnasiums, lobbies, libraries, and beyond. The CDC has identified handwashing as a critical mitigation measure for schools during the pandemic. However, as evidenced by the high number of schools that have reached out to us over the last six months, many schools do not have prolific access to running water in classrooms and in other areas which they need to repurpose as classrooms in order to increase social distancing during the pandemic. We know schools are short on resources, dollars, space, and time. We can help, but we need your help to do so. We'd like to supply our Nestle Kids handwashing stations at no cost to selected public schools in need. Our first goal is to distribute these to 10 school districts. We are asking for your help to simply cover our production and shipping costs. Together, we believe we can help students more safely return to where they thrive most, at school. In these crazy times, we thank you for considering this and for your generosity. We believe that by helping support each other, we can make a positive impact in a very hard time. Again, thank you for your support. We hope you and yours stay well. 
And we're back. We're talking with breast cancer survivor and life coach, Susan. And Susan, you have a new book coming out called Pulling the Gems from Adversity. Let's talk about the book. Yes. Right now it's in edit mode. So I will keep you all posted when this actually <laughs> hits. It should hit this year. It's coming out from Balboa Press. And it is called Pulling the Gems from Adversity. And as the title implies, there's some good stuff that comes out of adversity. But what is it with gems, right? They're not all just glowing on top of the, the muck in the mud. You have to dig for them a little bit. And that comes through reflection and noticing who you used to be and who you want to be and working that out. So I've broken it into five stages. And I begin with um, a section called holding firm in a storm, which is about supporting yourself during your adversity. And the second section is called a kind glance backwards because that's where we start to consider what was, what was it like for me before? Like I learned, boy, I had low, low self-esteem mm -hmm. and so, so little expectations for my life that when I was handed my life back and said, hey, you're cancer free, I was like, <laughs> I just uh, was so happy and excited to get a do-over on that and, and to really put myself in the center of my own life, no longer being like some sidekick little character in my own life story. That was the biggest thing. So that's mm -hmm. what I'm talking about when I say a kind glance backwards, is getting some wisdom and insight out of that. And, and who we played as the part. Like I learned, I didn't even know the word codependent really applied to me. <laughs> but I learned that I came from a family with someone with depression and that's what I married. And I never would have put that together at the time. So these are the little breadcrumbs we can follow. The third one, the third section is called creating life anew. And that's where I take you through creating a vision and really starting to take steps toward what you'd love. The fourth section is called not everything can come with you. And there we start with talking about low self-esteem, mm -hmm. resentment, low expectations. It's really hard to move ahead when you have these things literally swimming around in your subconscious mind. Even if you've become cognizant of them, it takes work to clear the rocks out of the garden, so to say. And finally, advance boldly. If you've made it all the way up to that point, let's go and take the rocket ship to something even better. It's, it's not about trying to rebuild your old life. It's about saying, here is my opportunity to recreate and come from my most authentic self, mm -hmm. the one that was probably always in there. Like when I was used to sit at my desk job, I'd be thinking, how much longer do I have to do this? As if I had to wait for somebody's permission <laughs> to do it, right? So these are the things that I love uh, to write about and love to coach about. What led you to write the book? My first uh, attempt at writing, it, it was, uh, it should have been entitled, I can't believe this all happened to me. And it was just mm -hmm. one major download <laughs> of when then this happened and then that happened and you wouldn't believe mm -hmm. that. And I thought, okay, well, that's a good first attempt, but I don't, maybe it'll turn into a memoir someday. But um, it really was about, wow, I came out with a win and I need to let people know that you don't have to stay in your story. You don't have to say, this is why I'm like this. This is why it has to be this way. Because that's just a story you're telling yourself. 
and it doesn't allow for any improvement, any action on your part, any change of mind. Wow. Now you mentioned something about visions. Do you believe in vision boards? Because I know a lot of people are like they're vision boards, they're vision boards, vision boards. Do you they're great? They they are great. And I'll share a vision board story with you. So this is right after my um mate told me he wanted to leave. And I have a wonderful friend who's an artist, and she had a bunch of us girls over. I'm from the Midwest, we still say girls. Um and we um were told to create something for the new year. And so we put together these vision boards and mine had fall in love again, be happy. It had a big piano. I love to play the piano. I love music. I love fashion. I had in style, you know, I had all these images. And what's so wild, Melissa, is I ended up a year later meeting a man who looked like the guy in my picture. I always kid that I think God, I picked a nice looking guy. <laughs> and uh, really so much of that came to pass. And I kept that vision board in my bedroom. So when I woke up in the morning, there it was. When I'd walk in at the end of the day, there it was. And I really had a relationship. That's the important thing. It's not just you stick it in a closet. It's that you're having a relationship saying, that's me, that's me. I love it. And, and getting excited about the prospect of it um, is huge. And that starts the what if this is really possible for me and what steps can I take to get there? So what about the word of the year? I know a lot of people are like they're concentrating on picking out their word of the year that they're going to concentrate on focusing their life around that for the year. All right, this is going to sound, you know, traditionally selfish, but uh, selfish, but I have asked my clients, especially those who never, ever put themselves in this place, I say, me first. And the reason I say that, you've heard that phrase, um, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. That's where me first comes in. Because when we take this time to fill ourselves up with not only self-care, but with real wisdom, with real self-reflection, that takes some time. That takes some quiet time. That takes some alone time. It takes engaging with things that inspire you. And when you do that, you're so much more filled up. I am. And being able to deal with other things that used to trouble me more, even like, you know, we all have times that with family members or colleagues or things. And it just gives you that breathing space to go, you know what? not a big deal in the big picture of things. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're on this high wire, which this year, this past year has been so mm -hmm. tense, right? I had to consciously remember, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> because there was so much to be in an uproar about. And I really do limit the amount of um, media I take into. I really want to be okay with me in my world and be the best me I can be. So, yeah, me first would be, I know those are two words for the year, but. <laughs> so let's talk about self-care. What can people do for self-care? That's a, you know, there's a personal spin to that. I can name 20 things in terms of, you know, what we've known to be not necessarily tr the traditional ones too, where you get a massage or you take a bubble bath. It really is like when we're talking about getting out in nature, but you know what that is for you. And I know what it is for me. 
or we see somebody else doing something lovely that we'd like. For some people, it's about going to the yoga class, getting out for a run, uh, taking a, a luxurious long shower when you've only been like trying to fit it in. And mm -hmm. it's about that expansive feeling you give yourself when you carve out time. And I've told my clients this also because some get to the end of the day and self-care almost feels like one more thing you have to do on your to-do list, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just call it relaxation time. <laughs> it doesn't sound like such a heavy thing to do for yourself. And, uh, and then again, it's just about taking and cutting out time in your calendar. What if you had to get up 20 minutes earlier to be the first one up in your house with uh, 20 minutes of quiet and watching the sunrise or writing um, what you're grateful for in a journal, uh, listening to a guided meditation. So it's just about how you carve it out uh, to, and it's absolutely possible. And I wanna say no matter how busy you are, you can at least find five minutes even if you have to lock yourself in the bathroom. <laughs> you reminded me, because some people like when they hide in the bathroom from their kids, some people have to hide in the bathroom from their pets, but they still have their pets with their paws underneath. Trying oh, to yes. Them, so. yes. <laughs> My husband can tell you about that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about finding love again after a divorce, because a lot of people aren't opening themselves up to finding love after divorce. How did you overcome that? You know, a lot of times we think we're unlovable. And I definitely was one of those people that thought, well, there's, you know, even this person who was really hard on me, I mean, really, um, it was a very stressful relationship. I knew early on that I'd signed up for a really tough relationship, but I thought this is, no, I didn't think this consciously, but I internally thought, um, this is probably the best I can do. Nobody else wants me. And I can't believe I thought that way, but I honestly did at the time. So the next relationship I had, I was at, um, my friend's wedding, this is like a year later, and um, I met somebody, and he looked at me like I've never been looked at before. And I was already happy because my house was free of this dark cloud that depression was. And I was starting to see possibilities. I was so happy for my friend who was getting married. And here's this guy like pursuing me, and he was from France. And a sweet person, so kind, so respectful and kind, and it's what I deserved. And what happened, um, that night he kissed me on the dance floor, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, is this me? Is this my <laughs> life, you know? And uh, I realized, over we were together often, I was long distance, he wasn't in France, he was in uh, Maryland, and I was in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. but... I learned to see love through his eyes. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. I was seeing this love coming at me, this admiration and, and such kindness and, and just the goodness of somebody coming for me that I started to turn that on myself and just bathe in it. Like, love that. I'm going to keep that. Even if the relationship doesn't last, this is good. <laughs> yeah. So, Basically, you were able to just overcome and put everything in the past of what happened in the past relationship and that low self-esteem you had going into that relationship. You were able to just overcome that and just put 
put that in the trash can basically and just yeah. throw it out and, with the trash. And, and forgive. I want to mention that too. I, um, I had to continue uh, some kind of a relationship with my son's father. And we were pretty much on the same page on what we thought was important as parents. And so it was easier. I kept the bar so high that it would look ridiculous for him to be in opposition. And so he could see, and he was genuinely happy for me when I did have this relationship. I think it, it helped a lot in the guilt side of things, but it was good, all good. And, uh, and so, yes, I would say that is the most freeing part of the story, aside from really learning to love myself, is being able to forgive so that I'm free and I don't have to relive and say, this is, you know, he, he was terrible to do that. And this happened. I, I can bring those stories up if I wanted to. They're pretty, you know, they don't go away. But that's not where I want my focus. Because mm -hmm. the only thing that's really hurting is, is you, basically. That's right. you, you make your own self the prisoner. And, and you have the key to let everybody out. And it doesn't mean you ever even, in some cases, you never have to see that person again right and then you've you've had certain hurts or betrayals and you don't have to you don't have to call them up and say i've decided to forgive you you know that doesn't have to happen this is for us yeah that's true so let's talk about you you, you said your son was 18 months old when you were when you had breast cancer so yeah. that had to be another added like how did you deal with that because 18 month old is very 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 needy very. He was a sweetie pie, but yeah, he had needs. He was 18 months old. And uh, the first thing that hit me when I got the diagnosis, I bawled because my mother was about the same age when her mother died. Mm. And she doesn't remember her mother. So I'm already putting myself in the grave thinking he won't remember me. I just really hit a nerve. And uh, I really... Um, like I said, just cried at the prospect of not being around to raise him or, or that he wouldn't remember me. That was just really, oh. So um, I had a lot of help. I had an awesome daycare lady because I had a full-time job that I we'd bring our child to daycare. And so he uh, was kind of awful in some ways because he started calling her mama. So that was, <laughs> but I've heard that happens. And I, he, he now calls me mom. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that um, we were so lucky. She was a lovely, lovely woman. And so he already had the continuity going for that. And then his dad really did pick up the slack. Um, his grandmother lived nearby. So um, it was, it was the village, the global village mm -hmm. of, of people coming together. And I did not, have as much hands-on when I was going through surgeries and chemo. I just didn't have it. Um, you know, I, you're just not all in your head with chemotherapy either. Um, so I would get visions of cuteness usually, or he'd climb into bed with me while I was lying in bed and just lay his head on my stomach. And I, it would just be, oh, you know, good things to live for, right? Yeah. I just can't, I can't even imagine number one, having cancer, number two, having an 18 month old. And then shortly after that, the marriage falling apart. I mean, I just can't. Oh yeah. And I think this is my take on it. Early on, uh, before I even got married, I knew this wasn't good. And I wouldn't listen. I'm like, 
you know, like, shut up, I got to get married. You know? <laughs> I want to have kids. And this is the only guy in, 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 the, in the game right now, you know? And I, again, not consciously, please. <laughs> but I was in this weird panic and, um, and there would be things I could see were not good for me and, and downright wrong. And um, I didn't listen. Even after the marriage, I wouldn't listen. And what happens when you don't listen? Life blows up. And we try to subdue it as much as we can. And it's kind of like um, you keep pushing it down and, and it gets tighter and tighter and you are more tightly wound, right? That almost, it almost felt like a relief. Now, it's going to sound really strange, but it almost felt like a relief for it to blow up because the tension was just so much. And it actually gave me something else to focus on, which was me overcoming cancer and going through these treatments. I didn't have to work so much on that feeling I always had as, as the mom and the wife of holding it all together. And that is exhausting. So in terms of self-care, that's another thing to let go of is we can't hold it all together. We can do what we can do and we can't compensate for other people. Wow. You just dropped like a huge nugget of wisdom right there so that you can't control what other people do. You can only control how you feel and how you can react to a situation, not how others are going to react to a situation. No. no, you can try to, you know, do the little dance, like, look over here. Don't look at that person. I'm going to keep you going while the other person's falling apart. You know? <laughs> and uh, that's, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. And it's inauthentic to who I am and mm -hmm. who you are. We, we take away a part of ourselves to fit in someone else. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why we don't feel right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oof, that is like, oof, my brain yeah. is like spinning on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mine did it for a while. <laughs> so tell us some things that women or even men should have in their toolkit if they're trying to rebuild their life after something like that happens to them. Yeah. Don't be in such a hurry to like find it and do it. Right. There's some time to take it in. And I do recommend having a journal, even if you want to type stuff in your phone, things are going to bubble up. You want to notice that. And when you do, you have a chance to address it. And then start thinking about what you'd love your life. If I could wave a magic wand, not just what do I think I can get? I think I, I can get a new job. You know, it can go, you can go big. You can go big. Other people have, I used to think only these people have something special and they know how to do things and I don't. Nope, they were just like me and they had to start right where I was. You know, we think people are overnight successes. We don't see all the process behind all that. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I would tell your listeners is just give it time, reflect, then start to dream a little. And in terms of support, you've got to raise your level of believing that this is possible for me. Why not me and why not now? There's never going to be a better time. There's only now. So get some clarity and that comes with some time going by. You don't have to hop right into it, but I do recommend support. I do recommend 
reaching out to me or someone that you feel a resonance with, that they've got your back, that they're going to support you and get in and make sure that you're on a track that you can sustain. We have a comment. Laura says, mic drop. And that's when we're talking about. <laughs> that's great, Laura. <laughs> that, that is a mic drop. That moment, I was like, boom. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so it's so true. I mean, wow. I'm still thinking about what you just said. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so subtle, isn't it? It's so subtle. We don't really know we're doing that. And, and, and when we get some clarity around that, which is usually when they're not in the picture and you go, okay, who am I now? You know, and then, oh yeah, I was trying to be both of us, you know. What about the people that are in relationship where that one person is trying to control what everybody else is doing around them? I mean, you have family members that are trying to control other family members, regardless of how Yeah, I mean, it's like, they're so toxic. And when that one, when the family members like start to break away, they like, I don't want anything to do with you now. And they totally like, and you're like, what? All I did was stand up for myself, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Yes. And, it, and then you get that punitive thing mm -hmm. going on. And I want to just encourage you, encourage anyone who's in that situation you're, you're going to always be at a loss and you won't be with your authentic tribe. When you come from you with boundaries, with real opinions, real feelings, unapologetically, because you can speak in kindness, you can speak clear and respectfully, right? We don't have to, well, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you stay calm, that is a superpower. When you don't raise your voice, when you still can speak slowly and say, I hear what you're saying. I respectfully disagree. That was not, that's not who I am. And what happens as you move forward, people are going to fall away. There are people, and it doesn't have to be like this big, ugly breakup, but people fall away because they don't resonate where you are. And it's all about their self-image. They're, they're putting their perception of themselves on you. And it's very fascinating. What they're saying isn't about you. It's about them. And that is a really weird, <laughs> a really weird feeling to, to comprehend that. But when you do, there's no guilt. I spoke my truth. I was mm -hmm. kind. I was respectful. And I'm ready for the next level of people who are, are my tribe. Do you know that phrase, friends are the family you do choose? Yep. That's what it's like. I'm lucky. And, uh, you know, it's not, I had a first generation Italian dad. And believe me, he was the patriarch. <laughs> but he's such a sweetheart, too. And uh, I do just a boy. My, my sister used to say, Susan just don't say anything. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was like, you know, I'd have to be right and forceful. And now it's like, nope, I can be right, right in here without having a, a big mouthpiece about it. Yeah. And we have another comment from Laura as well. Yes. Calm is a superpower. Yes. I've learned that. Yeah. And she's also common and learning to let them fall away is hard to embrace, but the freedom is learning. Oh. It is real. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just starts with the breath. When you, you know, when you want to quick, you just, you know, that phrase count to 10, well, count to three, even and take a breath. And you'll notice you've already recalibrated yourself. You may have to say, you know what, 
I need to go out. I'll be right back. I'm just going to walk around the house and come back in again. You don't even have to explain yourself. Go to the bathroom. if you Good old bathroom again. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, I've had situations where I've waited a couple of days before I've said anything that's upset because it's I'd rather come at it as as someone calm than react in the moment. And then because I know if I react in the moment, I'm going to react and it's not going to be taken the way I want it to. That's right. And that's what they're going to remember is your reactive state and not the words you're saying. Mm -hmm. You want them to know your words and not your. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Really good. So Susan, before we leave, is there any last tip that you want to share with anybody? You are so worth the time you invest in yourself. You are worth a minimum of five minutes alone for you and so much more. If there's a dream in your heart, even if you don't know what moving forward looks like, do not give up. There's so many resources. It's not, I'm not the only life coach in town either, by the way. There's a lot of us. But I would love to um, help anyone who wants to reach out to me. I'm at Susan at SusanDiLorenzo.com. Know that whatever you put into yourself and believe about yourself can happen. And I mean that in a good way that you are so worth your dreams. You came here, you have only one life. There's only one Susan DiLorenzo, even if that name is out there somewhere. I only get to be this woman once and I wanna give her the right of my life. And I want that for you too. And Laura commented again, she says, amen, love that. I am worth the time I invest in myself. So tell people where they can find you at, Susan. Yes. So the website is SusanDeLorenzo.com, S-U-S-A-N-D-E-L-O-R-E-N-Z-O.com. And my email is Susan at SusanDeLorenzo.com. And I'll also invite you all to um, check out my Facebook page. My professional page is Facebook.com forward slash dream coach Susan. And I offer really quick little tidbit videos on there about twice a week on coming out of adversity or things that move us forward in our lives. All right. And Susan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank I you, Melissa. A lot from you today and mind blown, mic drop. <laughs> I love being with you. It was great. Thank you. So guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Thank you so much for walking, watching, walking, wa watching. Bye. <laughs>